Today, I want to speak on the title, Open Your Mouth Wide and I Will Fill It. And what we're going to do is to to start with, I'm going to look at where this comes from in the book of Psalms and why it's significant. And then I'm going to look at how we can take it from the book of Psalms to our own life now. So basically two parts. First of all, uh, the big picture. If we look at the Bible, we see roughly in the middle the book of Psalms. When I was a, a, a child growing up and at Sunday school, they teach us how to find books in the Bible. You know, you open your Bible at the middle and you get the book of Psalms. I actually did in that time, but I was pretty close. And that's like a first rule of thumb for finding things in the Bible. It's right in the middle. And uh, if you look at the, the book of the book of Psalms, it's divided into uh, five books. And there's book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. Um, and uh, the, the, that's how they're named in, in the book. That's the divisions they have. And the middle book is book three. I've got book two highlighted there. But book three is the middle book of the Psalms. And uh, we know in Hebrew culture, there was a lot of emphasis on symmetry. And symmetry and art and beauty were closely connected together. And what you put in the middle was, well, was something that, that had extra emphasis. And, and so, right, so if we look at the, uh, at the middle, the middle of uh, book three, and then we look right in the middle of that, we have the middle um, book of Psalms, the middle Psalm is Psalm 80. And what we're going to be looking today is the middle verses of Psalm 80. Uh, this is the central Psalm in the central book, and I don't believe this is an accident. Now, I was, uh, when I read the Bible, I like to have a varied diet. And so I, I have three markers in my Bible. I have a, an Old Testament, a New Testament, and a Psalms marker. I know Psalms is in the Old Testament, but I give it a special, a special privilege. And then I, t- I kind of read from one or the other or from, from a couple of them. And um, recently I was reading my Psalms and I read Psalm 81 and I was so struck by it that I did a little bit of research. And um, I found a particularly useful article by a guy called Robert Godfrey, who's the um, who's the uh, president of Westminster Seminary, which is one of the world's leading Bible seminaries. And uh, this is what he said about Psalm 81. What does the church need most today? In answering this important but rather general question, Psalm 81 is uniquely important and helpful. This psalm obviously contains beautiful promises and clear directions to help the people of God, but careful study of this psalm will deepen our appreciation of it, increase its value for us, and show us how distinctive it is for helping the church. And it was he that pointed out that I got this, this, uh, this, the middle of the middle of the middle, um, uh, concept from as he as he developed this idea so here we have right in the center central book of the bible and the central part of that book and the central psalm and i'm going to read you what those verses are that are right in the middle because you're probably wanting to know what they are by now you're probably curious as to what they're going to be what i'm going to say well we're going to look at these verses and then we're going to widen out and see the whole psalm so here they are Listen, O my people, while I speak earnestly to you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. And now we're going to switch to the middle verse. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the, up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. So this is what the psalm says, a very powerful promise. And as we look at the setting of the psalm and how it relates to us today, I hope God will speak to us and bless us. So how can we relate this to us? Well, let's have a little look at the the, the, the psalm as a whole, and we'll see how what's going on in this in this particular book. So the psalm as a whole, uh, and it's dedicated to music leader leader in the Gittith style, which we've got no idea what that is, but it must have been a particular music style, uh, probably like the tune that it was sung to, um, by Asaph, who was the writer of this. Some of, most of them were written by David, but some were written by other people, and this is written by Asaph. Sing out in joy to God our strength. Shout out to the God of Jacob. Lift up a song. Shout the tambour, sound the tambourine, the beautiful harp, and the ten-string instrument. Now, I wanted to stop for a moment. This, these, the words sing out in verse one and shout out are actually very strong words. And those words um, are usually like we we they, they are to like a resounding roof lifting cheer, the kind of singing that we only usually hear at um, soccer games or hockey games or something like that today. But I want to suggest to you that we should be shouting with that kind of vigor for God. So I'm going to challenge you. I don't usually do this, so this is out of my comfort zone. But I want to challenge you to sh- We're getting a moment. We're all going to shout Jesus at the top of our voices together. Some people looking uncomfortable already. <laughs> but let's do it together. And because this is what the, the, the psalm says. It says shout. It says it says actually sing out for joy. It's telling us. And it's a very, very strong verb. So let's do this on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus! Actually, that was better than I was expecting. Let's give you one more go, okay? One, two, three. Jesus! All right. Okay. So you're warming up and you're into it a bit now. This was, the, this is how the psalm begins. Um, with this kind of resounding cry. Um, the, uh, it goes on, blow the horn at the new moon, at the full moon when our festival begins. We're not really sure exactly which festival this was, but it was probably the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of their annual festivals. And verse four, for it is a decree for Jacob, a rule of the God of Jacob. Sorry, Decree for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a regulation in Joseph when he went out against the land of Egypt. Probably referring to, to coming out of Egypt in the, in the Exodus um, in the early days. And this is one of the feasts that God instituted at that time. So, um, so it's, it's linking back to the story then of coming back out of slavery. Then we come on to the main section, um, which... Uh, Actually, the rain section actually starts in verse 8. In verse, end of verse 5 gives us this statement. I listened to a voice I had not understood. Now, this seems to be, the psalmist saying that he, God spoke something to him. And to start with, he didn't really understand it, but now he understands it. And he listened to this voice from God, and now he's going to tell us 
what it was that God was saying. And this is a prophetic song. This is a song of God speaking to his people. And so it's introducing, the psalmist is now switching to God's voice. So it's God speaking from now on. And this is the voice. He said, I listened and now I'm going to give you the voice of God. So verses 6 and 7 is going back to this time of coming out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land. I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you from a dark thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. The waters of Meribah were one of the places in the wilderness, so we know exactly what it's talking about there. The word sila, um, again, we don't know precisely what it means, but it's probably telling us to think of that. Yeah, stop. Think about that. Listen to that. And like a pause in the song. So then that's, that's, if you like, all introduction. And then we get on to the main part of the psalm here. And you'll see some words I've highlighted in red there. Um, it starts off there, I listen Listen, verse 8, listen to me, verse 11, listen to my voice, verse 13, listen. And I'm going to come back and talk about that because that's pretty central to what's going on here. This is a focus. And uh, so let's read this through and then I'll come back. Listen, O my people, while I speak earnestly to you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no other God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to do what seemed right to them. If only my people would listen to me, then that Israel would walk in my ways, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe towards him and they would permanently be humiliated. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. So the focus is the word listen, and Israel hadn't listened. And as a result, they got into problems, got into difficulties, and they were going to be taken away into captivity. All because they'd gone after other gods, they hadn't listened to God's promises here. And so the focus then is this word listen. And this is a word, um, this word, particular word in Hebrew is shema. And I'm going to ask you to remember this for the rest of the message. Shema is the word, and it's a very, it's a very important word in Hebrew. It's important because, um, the, what a Jew would call the Shema. If you ask a Jew, what is the Shema? It's actually a quote from, uh, the Old Testament where there's a, a little passage which the Jewish people would define, would say is what defines being a Jew. It's this little passage, which is called the Shema. I'll show it to you. It's in Deuteronomy, and here it is. Listen, and it's the Hebrew word, Shema, Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your being, and with all your strength. And we know as the um, as uh, Jesus once asked a Pharisee what, you know, what we had to do to inherit eternal life, or he challenged him, 
to his question, and this is what he quoted, because this is the Shema, it's like the distilled version of all God had told them. And so when uh, God says, oh, that you would have Shema'd, he's really touching the chord of what they knew that they should be doing. So what does Shema mean? It means slightly different to what we mean by listen. It's got a different nuance to it. Um, it means more than simply listen. It means listen in a way that leads to a response. And it means um, listen in a way that, that invokes, that changes the way that you actually behave. And I was reading a story, which is a, 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 it was a great story. Um, there was, it's about some kids who are playing outside in the shower on a very hot day. And their mom was calling them in. And she had a friend there just visiting, and both the mom and the friend knew Hebrew quite well. They were both um, had some some uh, training in Hebrew. Anyway, so the mom is calling the, the kids and saying, come in, come in, it's time to come in, it's time for your supper, it's time. And the kids were just ignoring it. And she, this one mom said to the other woman, I think the kids have got a listening problem. And the other woman said, no, they have a shemaing problem. So that, that, um, defines the difference. The listening problem is when you can, you can hear it. Yeah, you can hear it. The shamaring problem is when you hear and you don't respond to it. So I want you to keep that idea in you because this is key to all we're doing this morning. Shamar means to listen in a way that evokes a response in you. And if the kids had shamared, they would actually have come in and listened to what their mum had told them to do. So, um, so that's what's going on. That's what's going on in the very core of this. Uh, this wasn't just a unique, uh, passage, this passage called the Shema. It wasn't just the only place. In fact, the, the Hebrew scriptures are full of this kind of word, this kind of command. Here's another place. Deuteronomy 11, 13. If so if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and you serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, um, this is, um, and then there's a promise. Now, this is the NIV, and I've highlighted those words in red because um, the NIV translates it as faithfully obey. Can you guess what that word is in Hebrew? It's Shema. So literally, you now can understand, uh, actually... The word in Hebrew, if you want to really emphasize something, you can actually use an ing form and then the, 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 the main verb. So if you want to say somebody loves me, you say lovingly they love me. That's a Hebrew way of expressing things. And here they, it says, if you shamaringly shamar the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with your soul, then you'll have all of these blessings. So, so this is the same word. It's shamar. It's this, this, Listen in a way that calls something out of you to behave. So, let's go back to Psalm 81. Here it is, and right then in this middle verse is this call and this promise. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And I think this is the most beautiful picture. And really what this is referring to is this. 
This is referring to baby birds who open their mouths and their mother comes along and fills them. And, and the image of it, like, you know, the why do you open your mouth? You say, I'm hungry, just put, give me food, give me. And, and the mother just kind of pushes more and more food into that wide open baby mouth. So this is what God is telling us to do. Open your mouth wide, just, just open and I will give it to you. I want to give you Good things. All you have to do is to open your mouth, because that's what I have for you. And um, this was a, a, a precious verse to George Muller. I've mentioned him quite often, but for those of you who are who are haven't heard these sermons where I've mentioned to him, he lived in England in the 1800s, and he became very concerned about the huge numbers of orphans on the streets who were living in destitute poverty, dying of starvation, and he just felt this wasn't God's will for this to happen. He was disgusted that that people were not doing anything about it, and um, he felt that God's will was for him to start an orphanage, which he did, and uh, he actually, uh, during his lifetime, there were actually um, 30,000 children who were touched by the orphanages that he started Extraordinary work, but he believed that he, this that 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 um, this was God's will. He was doing, and that God would provide. And he felt God saying to him, "I don't want you to ever ask for money because I'm going to provide for you." And this was his text: "Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it." And he just felt God saying. I will provide for all your needs. And in fact, he never asked for money over his whole lifetime. He received in those days. Uh, around three million pounds. That was in the 1800s, which today would be billions. And he received that through God's gift. Now, that doesn't mean to say that nobody should ever ask for money for needs. There was something that God uh, gave to him. But it was his verse that he had, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So that's uh, the core message of what I believe God is saying to us today, and I'm going to be challenging you now as to putting this into practice in this coming year, in 2019, that I want this to be the year when you open your mouth wide and you look to God to fill it. So I'm going to talk about what this, how this works out in practice and what some problems that come up in this. And so one of the things that people say when, when they hear this message is they say, well, this looks like a kind of a bargain between me and God, that if I do enough work to do, like, doing something, then God will give me enough stuff in return. And it sounds like a kind of some sort of prosperity thing. And is this about earning God's favor by doing stuff? And I want to argue that um, it's not about um, earning something from God. It, this is about um, stepping out in faith and just uh, accepting this gift that God is giving us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about following Jesus, and I talked about how that required trust, because you don't follow somebody you don't trust in. And so the core of this command is trust, because if you really think that that God is going to fill it, then and you trust him, that is going to motivate you to opening your mouth for him, to listening to him. And so... Uh, I want to say to answer this, no, it's not about earning God's favor. It's simply by trusting him and believing that he responds to that trust. Uh, so the the next thing I question I want to raise is, is this a, a wrong motivation? Like, uh, sure, is this, um, are we being motivated just to get something from God and, and, uh, 
really, that's not good. I, that, that our reward, we, we shouldn't be doing things for a reward. Well, I want to say that, that this is not some sort of prosperity gospel message. God is not telling us, I'm going to fill you with money. I'm going to fill you with, you know, a car or these, these things. This is God is saying, I'm going to give you things that will really satisfy you. I'm going to give you what will deeply satisfy you. And I want to say that God knows you individually even better than you know yourself. He knows what your deep needs are, your deepest needs are, and your deepest desires and your longings better than you know yourself. And this is what he's talking about uh, filling. He's filling, not not like giving you stuff, which really doesn't help in the end at all, but meeting, deeply, deeply meeting who you are, deeply filling what you have. And it's not wrong to be motivated by this, because ultimately we're getting more of God himself, and this is a really good motivation. Uh, because ultimately, either directly or indirectly, it's him that we're getting when he o- asks us to open our mouths. Um, one more comment on this. Uh, I've been talking about verse 8 here and verse 10, but uh, the, the psalm ends with a verse I read earlier, verse 16, I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. And I, I promised Tom before the sermon today, I'd be ref- talking about something he really likes to eat. And I know Tom particularly likes honey. And I like honey as well. And um, probably most people like honey. But, you know, in those days, there was nothing to compare with honey for sweetness. You couldn't buy, go to a store and buy candy or chocolate or something like that. But there was honey which was infinitely sweeter than anything else they had on the menu. And so uh, what does the image mean, honey from the rock? Well, the rock is the, the, the most unpalatable thing. You can't eat rocks. I mean, that's, 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 that's the opposite. It's unpromising. And to get honey from the rock requires something supernatural. It just honey doesn't come from rock. So what God's saying, from the most unpromising places in your life, from the most difficult situations in your life, I'm going to give you the sweetest thing. I'm going to give you the very best thing. And so isn't this a beautiful picture? Honey from the rock. You know, sometimes... Poetic metaphors like that are more powerful than just stating it out in, in, in words. You can say, you know, I'm going to give you good things from bad places, but to say honey from the rock is just much more evocative and captures something. And this is what God is promising here. Honey from the rock. Um, so let's go on to look at um, some more problems. Um, uh, why isn't God force us to listen so he can bless us? Why doesn't he hold our mouths open so he can give us food? I mean, if he really wants us to get good things, he could do that. Why not? Well, uh, I want to argue that God wants to develop maturity in us. He actually wants us to grow as people, just as a parent trains their children and trains them that they need to do things to, 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 to grow and they need to take the responsibility and so on. God wants to develop in us and uh, wants to, to help us to grow. And this is very motivating for me. Because I see now that this is part of a plan that God has, part of a way he has to develop me. And that it's not just some some wonderful promise he's giving me. He wants to develop my ability to open my mouth. He wants to develop particularly, and opening our mouth is actually the same as listening, as you probably figured out. He wants to develop my shema. And, and so... 
the, the whole point of this psalm is to get our Shema working better. And, and this motivates me to actually develop my ability to listen to God. I mean, uh, so as I'm thinking to the year 2019, I'm thinking, you know, I'd like lots of good things to happen. I'd like lots of the, of the stuff of this psalm to happen. So what do I have to do? Ah, what I need to do is the Shema. Uh, and that motivates me to want to develop in that direction. Um, so God doesn't force us because he's trying to, to, to get us to grow and to develop us as people. Now, um, another um, another thing that somebody might say, actually, let me just um, let me just come, just develop something in that. Um, uh, somebody might say, "Well, you know, this is just uh, uh, something that's in the Old Testament; it's not in the New Testament." But I want to tell you that uh, that the same idea is there right through the New Testament, and. Um, even in one of the churches to Revelation, in the book of Revelation, God writes something very similar to one of the churches. So what I want to talk about now is, is, uh, um, what is going on in listening with God? How, when we're actually trying to listen to God, what does this actually mean in our lives? Uh, we're trying to hear God and trying to listen to Him. Um, how do I know what God's saying to me? Guidance is so hard. How do I know what God's doing? How do I actually hear him in this particular way? Well, I want to give you another story from the New Testament in this. So this is the story of Mary and Martha. Now, you, you probably, you probably know this, you may not know this, but Jesus was, was once, he was, he was speaking in someone's home, and there were two sisters. One's called Mary, and one was Martha. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening, and Martha was busy getting the food ready. And she was getting frustrated because her sister wasn't helping her. And she said, Jesus, could you tell Mary to, to, to give me some help here? I'm really working hard here. And Jesus said to Martha, Actually, Mary's made the best choice here because Mary is is sitting and listening. She's shemaing. And actually what you're doing is great, but it's actually not as important as this. And uh, so um, this, this, uh, this is what went on. And you may have heard, you know, Mary and Martha, these contrasted. But what we often don't do is follow through on that story. What else do we hear about Martha after that situation? Well, we hear another story of Martha, which shows that Martha actually did Shema, that command of Jesus, and she actually did listen to Jesus and respond to it, because we get from Martha one of the best responses in the entire New Testament. I'll tell you how it happened. Um, earlier on, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do you think that I am? And Peter said, um, you know, some people think you're the prophet. Some people think you're this, but you're, you're actually um, the Messiah. You're, you're the sent from God, um, and that was a great answer. But later on, right at the end, when uh, Jesus was at Lazarus' tomb, about to raise him from the dead, he spoke to Martha, and Martha made a, a, a confession about who Jesus is that was even better than Peter's. Martha recognized better than anyone else before Jesus' death and resurrection, who Jesus was, that he was the Son of God. How did that happen? Because she took what she shamed Jesus. She, when he, said, she said, he said to her, you need to sit at my feet and listen. She obviously did because she got it. She understood who he was. And she believed that Lazarus, her brother, could be raised from the dead. 
So, um, so that's what it means. It means to listen to Jesus' words. It means to listen to what he said. And Jesus' words, we have Jesus' words. And even like the Old Testament is all Jesus' words. I know that I many Bibles have got Jesus' words in red, what he actually said, but actually it's all Jesus. And listening to his words and, and asking him how they apply to our life is, is a primary way of shamaing and listening to what he said. But as I, but actually, um, uh, most people actually know what to do anyway. Most people, you know what God is asking you to do. You know what his call on your life is. You don't need to, uh, I mean, reading the Bible is good, but you actually don't need to read it to know what God is asking you to do. Probably, if I was to get you to write down now what you should be doing, what Jesus wants you to do in, in 2019, you could probably write a fairly good list of some of the things that he's already been talking to you about doing. Um, and I want to say that, G- that God's heart is for you in this. He wants to feed you. He wants to give you honey from the rock. Just in the, the whole heart in this psalm is, I would just long to have fed you. I would have longed to have given you more. Oh, if you had listened to me. And I want to say, God is saying to that to you now. He's saying, oh, that you would shema. Oh, that you would listen. Oh, you would hear. I have so much for you. I've got so much for you in 2019 that I'm just longing to give you. And my, so my question is, he's pleading with you to give you the opportunity of being satisfied with him. Will you open your mouth wide? Will you open your mouth wide today? Will you do it in this coming year? <clears throat> so... You might think that these promises here are only for Christians, but actually they're not. They're not just for believers. They're not just people people who are following God. In fact, Psalm 81 was written for a nation who'd actually stopped following God, who, who turned to idols. That's who it was written to. And it was an invitation to them to turn around and follow God. And so this is not a narrow invitation. This is an invitation to everyone in the world. And Jesus gave a very similar invitation in uh, John chapter 4. So let's look at uh, what Jesus said. So let's going back to, to the verses that we just quoted. And then what Jesus says in John 4, Jesus is speaking to a woman he's just met. She's a, um, a woman who's got... Uh, all sorts of problems in her life. In fact, she's shocked that Jesus would actually speak to her because of the, the kind of life that she's been living. Um, so she's definitely not uh, uh, like a, a, a spiritual person. Uh, but Jesus says to her, he, he offers her freely the water of life. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, the, the, the physical water. But he says, whoever drinks of the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water I will give will become in them a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. And he says, if you ask, I will give it to you. And so my challenge then is, will you listen? Will you shema in 2019? And I say to you, to every one of you, whether you're following God now or you're not, there is so much God has for you. There is so much God has for you. And he says, come. He says, why don't you listen? Oh, if you would but listen to me, I have so much for you. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come out now. And... um, uh, I, I'm just going to um, 
to, to close in prayer, and then we're going to have a short time if anybody's got any questions, and then we're going to have a, a time of worship. Father, we thank you for this amazing offer that you give to us. We thank you, Lord, for this plea for us to open our mouths so you can give us more. And Lord, I want more in this coming year. I want to open my mouth. And I pray, Lord, everyone here will want what you have for us in this coming year. So Lord, we cry to you, open our mouths and help us to open them wider. We want to listen to you. We want to shema you in this coming year. Amen.